This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you wasn't that bad, large judgment. My own sweet down, didn't it? Whatever, I didn't recognize you for this. What do you do if the lead singer of your band decides to leave? Maybe if you're a local band, if you're a new band, if you put out one album with a little bit of success, maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe you can get someone else to step in, into their shoes and replace them. Maybe it's fine. But what happens when you've put out quite a few records? Records that have debuted very high on the Billboard charts. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of copies sold. Then what do you do? The guy leaves. He's got a million followers on Instagram. He's an icon. But yet, you have fans. Your band means something. It means tickets. People care about it. And furthermore the driving creative force behind the band is still there. What do you do? This week on Lead Singer Syndrome, that is one thing that we talk about. It is a great episode with Aaron Pauly of Of Mice and Men who just released a new album, a great new album, out on Rise Records. It just came out uh, just last week. And some of their best songs of their career are on this record. And I speak to Aaron about what it's like going from the bass player. I mean, he always was a singer. He was always the clean singer of the band. But now he's screaming. He's standing up front. It's a big change. So I speak to him about that and about a lot of things, including his old band, Jamie's Elsewhere, which is an incredible band. And it was really great for Aaron to take the time to do this podcast. Hello, everybody. I am Shane Told, and welcome to my show, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. Um, Yeah, thank you. Just thank you for being here, for listening to this, for being one of my sinners. Shout out to all my sinners worldwide. As I record this, I am finally in California. This is like, you know, I'm from Canada and, and, you know, we do tours all the time and there's always this dream, you know, this, this California dream to sort of be cliche, but you come here and it's always amazing. And we're in Northern California right now. We're playing Sacramento tomorrow. We're going to head down we're going to play Orange County and Los Angeles. And those are going to be some of the best shows of the tour. And, um, if you're in the neighborhood and I know a lot of you are, I mean, I'm speaking to a Californian on this podcast and I know Silverstein's got some fans in California. So please, we still have tickets available, I believe for our Los Angeles and our Anaheim show. And San Francisco and Sacramento as well. Actually, if you're listening to this, come come hang. We have a great tour we put together with us, Tonight Alive, Broadside, and Picturesque. Uh, some awesome bands, some awesome music. So we're on tour right now. And after we finish up in California, we're heading east. We're going to do Texas, you know, Florida, and then up the East Coast. So tickets are available if you want to pick them up. 
uh, or if you're interested in VIPs, head over to thegetfreetour.com. Once again, that, that's, that's thegetfreetour.com. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, it's really easy. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, I appreciate feedback. I really do. And the email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. A search should do it. We're on Facebook as well. And Facebook is kind of going through a bit of a, a, a revamp right now. I've got some sinners helping me out with it to uh, do some cool things on there. Um, so yeah, so search for Lead Singer Syndrome on Facebook as well. Go on there, like the page. It helps us out. And of course, if you really like the show, go on iTunes, write a review. And if you don't like the show, we have an option for you too. It's called The Hate Line. one 666 hate Call that number, leave me a message, and give me the hate if you're not happy. Maybe this is a bad episode. Maybe I did not ask Aaron the right questions. Um, maybe you're mad about the last couple weeks with Kitty or Anti-Flag or, or way back with Thrice or Rise Against. Maybe I did something wrong. Well, let me have it. Feel free to call. Again, the number 657-666-HATE. And I do roll out clips once in a while, so you got a chance to be on the air. So, so feel free to leave me a message. Before we get into the talk with Aaron, and it's a great talk, I want to tell you about a couple of things. The first is our sponsor, rockabilia.com. I mean, I wear band shirts. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Pauly wears band shirts. A lot of people wear band shirts because they're cool. They they just feel nice on your body. Let's be honest. And if you're looking for any kind of band shirt or any kind of band merch in general, you got to check out rockabilia.com. That is rockabilia.com. They are the best in the business. They have over a half million items, all unique and all licensed directly from the band. So (laughs) it's funny, just for a little personal story here, I was in Salt Lake City, actually, uh, just a couple days ago, and I saw not one, but two bootleg shirts. And one was decently done. Um, It wasn't a great shirt, but it had our first album cover, just kind of square on the front, a little small. Didn't look great. Uh, He said he got it on eBay, not official, definitely no money coming towards Silverstein at all. And the second one was even worse. It was, I don't even know, it was kind of our logo, but sort of crooked on a white shirt, very faded. And underneath it said like, it even said like licensed by Silverstein, like even tried to pretend it was official. Garbage. You don't have to worry about that with rockabilia.com. So head over to rockabilia.com. And the best part about all this is if you use my promo code, it is PCLSS, PCLSS, you'll save 15% off your entire order. So go a little crazy over there. Feel free, grab a couple shirts, hoodies. It's getting cold outside. Well, it is cold outside. Whatever you need, check it out. They got everything, and you don't have to worry about the band getting stiffed like you do sometimes on Amazon and especially on eBay because on eBay, you don't know what they're selling, and it could just turn out to be total crap. So go over to rockabilia.com right now. Use promo code PCLSS, 
and save some money today. All right, let's jump in to this week's conversation with Aaron Polly of Of Mice and Men. Hey, how you doing? Hey, dude. Good. How are you, man? Good, good. It's very nice to have you, dude. This is. Uh, hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, we've run in so many same circles, and I think Silverstein and of Mice and Men have played exactly one show together. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, you know. And, and, <laughs> and, and like, you know, you're a guy that's that's like been. I mean, you talk about paying your dues. I mean, you know, you've been slugging it out in so many bands, um, you know, and we have some ties with Victory Records and all that too. So it's like, it's just, it's cool to like actually be like able to pick your brain. Uh, yeah, dude, for sure. You, Likewise. Likewise. I'm really excited. Absolutely. Um, I, I, it's like crazy. I like, don't even really know where to start. I guess, I guess like, how is how is just being a front man now, uh, like a real front man now? You know what I mean? Not just being able to stand in the corner, uh, and you know that whole side of things. All of a sudden, it feels like you just kind of went, you know, uh, just thrown into the fire. Okay, Aaron, go ahead. Um, how has that <laughs> how has that been for you? Um, you know what? I think it it it's been healthy as far as the growth and the growing experience and all of it because you know it throws me more into the show than I've ever had to be, you know, in the past when I was, when I was just kind of doing vocals, like half the time, you know, the other, the other half the time I got to kind of just hide behind my hair and headbang and play my bass and just kind of have me time on stage. But you know, now (laughs) it's definitely, now it's definitely more about kind of curating the show, which to me, you know, music's always about that kind of healthy balance of, you know, trying to put an entertaining, um, show on because ultimately you know we're entertainers um but there's also you know you want to have enough um of like an emotional release a catharsis if you will during the show and you want to have enough connection to it so it's always kind of about juggling that i guess right no geez it's just like you know i'm I'm a dude that's always been the singer and you know there there's times when you know i'm a guitar player first like i played in you know old punk bands and stuff and i played guitar and sang at the same time and it's kind of all i ever knew was being you know the lead singer it's it's my job to talk between songs you know so i I mean there's been a few bands i've been in like where i just played bass you know and i just like sang backups and it was it was like great because it's so much less stressful Oh yeah. So so like for that, I mean, I mean, even something like like talking to the crowd. Did you do a lot of that before, or was that mostly Austin's job? Um, you know, a, a lot of it was Austin. I would do it in some parts. You know, if he was like, "Hey, I'm going to need to catch my breath between these right. songs," you know, then 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 I would do it. But um, yeah, no. So you know, for for, for that kind of aspect of it, um, you know, I'm not really a big talker. You know, on. <laughs> kind of just like playing music. So we kind of, you know, it's funny too. Is we we tend to freak out when we're putting together sets where we're like, no, there's, there's too much dead time and cram all these songs in. And then we end up playing the first show and we're like, Hey, so that dead time, yeah, that's where we like breathe and, you know, drink water and (laughs) all the things that are necessary towards 
having an hour and a half long show. That's crazy, man. And also just, just, that's another thing you bring up an hour and a half long show. Like, like all that screaming that you didn't used to do. I mean, I know you did screaming, you know, backup screaming and stuff, but now it's like, okay, this verse that Austin would do or whatever, it's like intensely vocally, like scream heavy. How was that when you're like used to just playing bass for this verse and now it's like, okay, I played this song on bass a hundred times or more oh, yeah. without ever screaming. Now I have to add this element. That's just crazy to me. Like, well, see, so you difficult. already, well, see, you already said the, the, you already said like half of it, which is, you know, playing the songs a hundred times already. So right. it's really just about focusing on the vocal and, you know, like yeah. we're a band that practices a lot together and plays a lot together, you know? So, um, before we played, you know, our first show back was at Las Rages. It was like in April, I believe, like the very end of April. Oh, and it Las was Vegas? really okay. cool. Yeah, or no, no, March. Okay. March. I can't I can't remember. You know, you know how you know how tour time flies. Oh, we basically dude, just this, got off we I, we basically after the uh, after the five finger tour ended, we uh we did the math and with the In This Moment tour which ran uh in North America for like seven or eight weeks. And then we went overseas for like seven or eight weeks. We were on tour for uh, 97 days. So my, my brain's fried. 2017's a blur. So you did, you had almost a hundred. <laughs> you so you've had almost a hundred shows under your belt of, of being a being the front man here. Almost. 100. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. That's, that is crazy, man. And, and like, how has this been? I mean, like you talk about, you know, just the internet and YouTube comments and, shit talkers is that i mean i know you're a guy with thick skin you've been in so many bands and you've you've heard everything um but it must be difficult when you have a guy that's like you know i mean austin and i a pretty iconic front man you know what i oh, mean definitely. and a name that carries a lot of weight in the scene like everyone knows who that guy is um even if you're not enough mice and men supporter so so just that whole emotional ride that you've taken and now you're 100 shows in personally how was that for you having to be the guy um you know for us it was literally it was all about the songs man like you know we really didn't think about continuing the band in terms of the band like for us it was literally all about like all right how are we gonna play these songs for people all over the world that like have the tattoos you know what i mean and have Mm -hmm. just this have the love for the songs you know like we think about music as being the soundtrack to our lives you know and i think you know, especially for musicians, we've got songs that will remind us of a period of time in our lives, you know, and for us, um, as artists, you know, like that's kind of the, one of the gifts that we get, I get, or, you know, I guess when, when it comes to making music and releasing music, it's just that connection with people. But, um, you know, so there is always kind of dealing with, you know, people that don't like change, you know, and that, that have a hard time struggling with that. But, you know, for us, it was all about, um, delivering the music and, and honoring the legacy of the band. And, you know, in, in that, you know, our fans have just backed us 110%, which has been really, really no, awesome. It to- seems like it has. I mean, it's been very, very positive. Uh, the reactions that I've heard. And um, I think that, that it's like for you being, and give, give me a second. Cause I'm, I don't have anything written down. I'm just sort of going from my head here, but you know, yeah, yeah. You, you've kind of been the guy you came in the band. You're sort of like the, the, the little bit like the quiet guy that has a really, really strong voice. It was almost like in the band, you were sort of like the underdog. And you know, I, I know I've, I've heard you say like, you don't look at this as like a promotion necessarily. You know what I mean? Like you're still a band member. You guys are still a unit of bands and, oh, and all yeah. that, but, 
But that being said, you know, a lot of people don't look at it like that. And a lot of those people now it's like, okay, now it's like, it's like when your, your favorite basketball player like goes out with an injury and you're like, oh man, that sucks. But this bench player that never gets a chance to play, he gets to play and he's scoring like 35 points a game. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's almost like you've come in and taken on that role and you've done such an admirable job that people are like, well, I guess this is just the band and it's great. Thanks, you know man. No, I mean? that, that means a lot. And, and you know, like, because for us, that, that's what it was all about. Like, you know, before we ever announced that we were going to continue the band, you know, we made sure that we were going to be able to deliver these songs, you know, and deliver new material in a way that still did justice. Because, you know, the last thing we'd ever do is like, beat a dead horse you know what i mean like all things come to an end at some point you know mm-hmm. but for us like we just had this feeling that like you know for of mice and men that that it, it wasn't that time yet you know what i mean and so for us um yeah it was just literally all about the integrity of the music and so we all kind of just put the work in to make sure that we could uh deliver those songs you know because for us like we know it's music like that's what we're going to do forever you know, whether it's of mice and men or it's, or it's whatever, but for us, it's of mice and men forever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's just kind of, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, like we've, we've put all of our, uh, we've, we've put all our chips in, you know what I mean? We're all in. So for a guy, I mean, you're not an original member. You've done a lot of other things in other bands. So definitely. So it's, it's almost kind of interesting that you say that, you know, because like I, you know, I know Jamie's elsewhere was like, you know, that wasn't even your, your, your original band either. That's another band you joined. So it's, it's kind of like for you to be like, no, yeah. like this is my shit right here. Um, I, you know, I'm, I've only been in the band for five and a half years, but this band is forever. That speaks to, you know, what the work and the legacy that you've already put into, to of mice and men. Yeah. Thanks man. And, and you know, like it, it it's, when you start making music with people, you know, like, like I've been very blessed to be able to make music with a lot of different people, um, as a career for many years. And like, you know, when you start really connecting with people musically, like you don't really want to make music with other people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if you're, if, if, if you, if you're speaking fluently, you know, the language of music with somebody, you, you know, you kind of just know that there is a certain you know symbiosis there that it just kind of makes sense yeah. to like let's let's just keep going further and further and further and further and so like making music never becomes tedious or tiresome or boring like we're always together furthering the dialogue you know just kind of kicking the can down the the proverbial rock and roll road <laughs> <laughs> well there you go i mean it's it's you're right and that's something that doesn't get talked about enough you know, I think it's like, you know, when, when you're in a relationship and there's like that spark, you know, with, with, uh, with your partner or whatever, um, of course. there needs to be that in a band too. And I think a lot of times, uh, that doesn't get talked about, you know, there's just that, that time, like, especially, you know, you're a bass, bass player and, and, you know, bass players and drummers love to have this bromance, you know, oh, and, rhythm section. Oh, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, and, so I'm literally, I'm literally standing in Tino's apartment before you'd called, I'm helping him move out and oh. move into his new apartment. Oh, great. So I'm literally like, it's rhythm section. Like it's real. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. helping my dude move right now, but it's just like We're this, heavy furniture. It's just amazing. Sometimes, you know, like, like, uh, the first band I was in, uh, a you know, punk, punk rock band and, and those guys are they're still like the best of friends it's just and it's a rhythm section thing and they would be able to look at each other and not speak and just know 
something, be able to communicate something. Like they were both feeling the same vibe of a song, which is, which oh, is really, sure. it really is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. With you singing now, before I, I want to talk about so much other things, but before we, we kind of abandon this subject for a second, is it different now when you have to focus on your singing to still have that connection with Tino, like playing drums? Because you can't turn around and like kind of give him the eye, like, all right, this is what we're going to do here. Do you miss that part? Um, well, no, you know, what's funny is if anything, we're locked in more now because I'm doing the bass and I'm doing the vocals. So now I feel like I'm even more connected in my bass playing with the music because I know vocally when certain parts are going to happen or when musically there's going to be certain gaps that kind of shine through the vocals. And, you know, Tino and I, like we played together for so long now and played just hundreds and hundreds of shows. And, you know, it's, it's really funny because now it's to the point where we can do the little things, even just without looking, you know, I definitely do miss that kind of time where I'm just on stage looking at my bandmates rocking out, kind of turned around, you know, ignoring the crowd for a little bit or whatever. But, um, but no, you know what, like, like, and that's kind of the exciting thing is as we become even more proficient in each other's musical languages, like what happens ends up becoming so exciting. And it's like stuff that we're like legit stoked about. And like, we'll laugh about immediately afterwards. Like both guitar players will go for some insane squeal in a part where there's no squeal. And me and Tino <laughs> and me and Tino just happen to cut out. Like we're all just feeling it. And it's like, yeah, that happened. And it's like, you know, it's, that's not part of the recording or necessarily part of the song, but it's part of the, the performance, you know, and rock and roll has yeah. always been about the live show. It's been, you know, it's been that way since the Beatles, you know, it, it's always been about live music. All right. Except that when the Beatles played, you couldn't actually hear the playing. Uh, oh yeah. No, or the screaming, but no, you're but right you just, though. Yeah, you just absolutely. <laughs> you just pretended. Uh, I'm sure they sounded great in their, in their own heads. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true, man. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, not only is, is it cool that you guys are, are taking that approach, but that you guys are, you know, kind of not, I don't want to say not taking yourselves so seriously because you do, but, but that you're able but to have fun roll, with it. Exactly. You're able to roll with the punches and, and be able to be like, all right, let's do this. Uh, who, whose idea was it for you to jump in, uh, and kind of take over the duties rather than just getting someone else to kind of take on, you know, being a runaround style front man. Um, you know, it was kind of all of our collective decision beforehand that we weren't going to really get somebody, you know, even, even before Austin had, had released his, um, you know, his announcement and everything like we had been talking even with him about people that he was thinking could potentially, you know, step into, to fill his role. But, you know, for us being, we're a very familial band, you know, like we're very much a family in a lot of regards. So like, um, you know, we're, we're one of those bands where we hang out, you know, even when we're not on tour type deal, which, which that, that kind of, that kind of says everything. And so for us, like we, you know, we weren't going to replace him. So I think we kind of knew that off the bat. And then I think it was just kind of the logical step was, you know, one of the first things we did after he had told us was we got together in our little shoebox. We call it our shoebox. It's a little like, I don't know, 15 by 20 room where we just have our amps and we, we call it making noise. So we just go, and we make noise, Um, (laughs) you know, like, like we don't set up the in-ears, you know, we don't really set up much and we just like, you know, and that was one of the first things we did. Like, I think that was maybe like a week after he told us he was leaving, we all kind of decompressed and figured out, you know, kind of 
all right, what's the next step? And we said, yeah. I don't know, but like, let, let's get together in our room and just jam. Like we know it's music and we know it's going to be us. And like, as we were jamming, we were probably playing for like a few hours of just playing random stuff and just writing new stuff, you know, some, some of which ended up becoming new of mice material, but like, so we're just jamming. And then we kind of fell into jamming some of the older material. And I was just messing around like on our PA, just kind of screaming through the mic. And we were all just like, you know what, let's, let's kind of like actually have a legit like discussion about whether or not, you know, this thing is going to continue. And, you know, Austin was really adamant about wanting it to continue, you know, when he had sat us down at Tino's, like that was a really big thing. And so for us, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of about legacy. You know, every album is just, every album is just kind of a yearbook for this never ending um, experience, you know? Sure. No, dude, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's been a crazy story with your band. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I want to go back and talk about, you know, kind of the early days of, uh, of yourself and, and how you, you know, I know you grew up in California, Northern California, Sacramento, kind of suburban area. Um, yep. I, I want to talk about, you know, how you, you grew up with, you know, your, your family structure and how you kind of got started in music at an early age. Um, so I guess it starts super, super young. Like, I guess when I was like two years old, um, my dad, my dad and my mom, they tell me the story all the time because I don't remember it, but apparently, you know, it was Whitney Houston was singing and I will always love you. And I guess the, the high note in the car, I was like two years old. And as soon as the high note started, I was sitting in my car, my car seat and I guess I mimicked the note. And my parents say it was like pitch perfect. Like I mim- just mimic this high note, just you. <laughs> and, and they kind of just like, get that turn kid a and- fucking guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, it's really funny. Like, and, and they tell me a lot of stories that like, I really don't have recollection of, but you know, my parents were meticulous. My mom was in keeping uh, like a baby book where anytime I did something that was like memorable or stupid or insane you know they put it in this book with like a picture or something you know just to remember all this stuff That's which cool. i think is a great idea, idea it's yeah. kind of it, yeah it's kind of like instagram before instagram <laughs> like oh, well, it's, you it's know, like analog it's like thing. analog instagram but it's so much better <laughs> like like you know all the family pictures that like my family has that were taken you know when i was a kid or my sister was a kid or my dad was a kid they're all there in a book you want to see yeah. pictures like once the digital age came like, i don't know where the fuck they are like on a hard drive somewhere yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so much better. Really than crazy. Old, old school. But anyways, continue, please. So, um, yeah. So I, I see, so, you know, they tell me these stories and I, I read about it in this, in this little booklet that my mom made, but it's, it's really funny. Um, I guess when I was like three or four, my mom would ask me every year, basically, uh, what I want to be when I grow up. And I, when I was like three or four, I said that I want to be Madonna's drummer. <laughs> which is such a really weird thing and like really weird particular thing to say. Very weird. And then, <laughs> and then next year she asked what I want to be when I grow up. And I said, dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know, I don't know what that means, but maybe it was the Michael um, Jackson song. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, but you know, it's really funny. So basically um, I just always loved music. You know, like my parents listened to a lot of music. My dad is a great singer. Um, he sang like barbershop quartet type stuff and, oh, and cool. cat and cat Stevens type stuff and Simon and Garfunkel. So like, I've always loved music, especially like, you know, very vocally driven music. And so when I was in, I went to a private school and when it was third grade, you could either do science lab or do music. And I was like, yes, music. 
And so when we first um, when we were how first doing even, it, first of all, how is that even a choice? What kid in, in did you say third grade <laughs> is going to be like, yeah, yeah. I want to do I want to do boring ass science experiments, not like bang on some drums or like make a crazy sound out of some instrument. Like, that's, well, see, that's, that's not the, even a choice. Well, see, for me, in my mind, like, obviously, like, I know what I'm going to choose. What's funny, though, is literally more than half the class wanted to do the science experiments. Because, like, to be fair, it was, like, supposed to be a fun class. It was, like, science lab right. or something like that, like, in third grade where it's, like, you're making volcanoes and shit. Yeah, okay. But okay. I was like, dude, no, I want to – and it was literally that. It was drums. I was like, no, I want to, like, I want to bang on drums. Yeah. And – the first thing they start you with is the little the little recorder, <laughs> you know, the little sure. the little piccolo. Hot cross buns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hot cross buns. And then so but yeah, and so basically and then that went to a snare drum and then that went to a drum set. And so I was basically in I think yeah, third grade and I was playing and I loved it, man. I love drums. But then I really started falling in love with guitar, like the more I was kind of exposed to um uh, you know, being in at that private school, I would be in third grade, fourth grade, and I would see the middle school kids and the middle school kids, they were the ones that had the guitars and the bass and like they were doing the jazz band and yeah, like yeah. rocking out like during lunch period, they would basically just go in the band room and like rock out, you know, and it was, it was still the nineties. So they were like playing Alice in Chains and stuff. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there like, as a young kid exposed to it, thinking like these older kids are the coolest people. Like they're walking around school with their gig bags, like (laughs) their their gig bags, their flame vans and the Jinko jeans. And I'm like, (laughs) yup. And so, and so at the time also I was doing Taekwondo. And so I told my parents, like, I want to, I want to play guitar. And they're like, well, you're doing Taekwondo drums and guitar or like, and you want to do guitar you need to get your black belt in Taekwondo before we're going to get you a guitar. I was like, all right, well shit. So like I did that, like I put the work in, I got my black belt and they're like, all right, well let's get you a, let's get you a guitar. And so then from there it was just, um, yeah, from there I learned power chords and it was literally like, all right, I learned everything. Like I was just playing along with the radio, just trying to get a grasp of like, you know, I think cause you know, you being a guitar player too, you'll understand that like, music and songwriting on a guitar is kind of like a grid, you know, what frets go with what frets, you know, where your fingers go, where everything goes. And then it's like, all right, that's kind of your palette. Like if you were a painter, that's your palette full of colors and the world is your canvas, like paint it. And so I just fell in love with music. Like I was writing stupid songs that I wish I still had. Like, you know, it's funny too, because we had, we had what, like, like little tiny tape recorders or whatever. And I'm talking about like the stuff we'd write when we were like 10 or 11. Yeah. And like, none of that exists anymore. I don't think I, I hope, <laughs> you know, what's so funny about that. Um, is I, you know, you talk about your mom's baby book. I yeah. have almost a baby book of songs. I wrote when I was a little kid. I don't oh, dude, That's so some, sick. For some reason, my parents like said, "Oh, you're you're you know, I'm always I was always noodling around the house with a guitar, and they always said like, oh, are you re-? like and and you know, recording stuff was more complicated back then. Like, I guess you could do it on like a cassette tape, but they were like, you should write down you know your songs so you don't forget. So I have this book, oh, it's yeah. like a bound, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> just a, a book that you know, uh, just a hardcover book, and I wrote yeah, a song. Yeah. So I would write on one page, I'd write the name of the song, the date." And I'd almost do it like like I was such a nerd. I'd do it like like liner notes, 
you know, like, uh, yeah. like, like I would see in, in my favorite albums. So I put like, oh this, and I would put that I wrote the song and then I put the yeah. date that they, the date that I wrote the song and all the lyrics. And then on the right of the page, I'd put like how to play it. So I'd put the, okay, the verse, this is the chords or this is the little yeah, riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so I still have all that. And I have some songs that I wrote when I was like 12 or 13 that are just hilarious. And every oh, couple man, of years, there's probably some fire in there. Oh dude, there's, there's like a, a couple songs that, that I'm like, you know, not to toot my own horn. Like, I'm like, damn, I was like 12 and I wrote that. Like, that's, that's not bad. It's insightful. But, but, um, sorry to go back to you. And it's not all about me apparently. Uh, but, but that's so, so you're, 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 you're just obsessed with music at such a young age. What bands were were you like really into at this point? So my first like music that I really fell in love with, like on my own was rap music. And that was until I think about third or fourth grade when I started, you know, being exposed to more rock music, more grunge music. When I was in probably sixth grade, fifth and sixth grade, it was, you know, being from Vacaville, it was Papa Roach and they were the local band. So basically in Vacaville, they had a skate park. It was like a municipal skate park. And right next door was the community center because they basically turned part of the parking lot uh, to the community center into a skate park. Right. So basically like, you know, on weekends and stuff, it was, you know, you'd go to the skate park and then Papa Roach would be playing, um, you know, Papa Roach would be playing at the community center. And that was like, and I remember around the time that infest came out. And what's really funny is if you can, you can find videos on YouTube of like back when they were still local, all the songs that, you know, they sound the same. Like they didn't go, they didn't go to a producer and then have a lot of the songwriting structure or anything change. Like it's very, very much, um, we just basically watched this little thing that was from Vacaville, like explode into a worldwide phenomenon, you know, where you're not going to meet anybody that doesn't know the lyrics to last resort. You know what I mean? And that's crazy because that came from my hometown. So like, for me, that was a big inspiration to, to kind of feel like, you know, it's possible for um, you to have a career. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not and unattainable. It's, and, now, yeah. and now with the internet, now with the internet, like, you know, the, the biggest artists in the world are unsigned. You know what I mean? And they're just mm-hmm. releasing content all the time. Yeah. And it's really crazy to see how the internet's really like, it's definitely changed um, the monetization of music. But as far as its impact and its digestion, like, people are listening to music and consuming more music than ever before. They're just not paying for it, (laughs) you know, like they, like they used to, but I don't know. I think, I think, you know, everyone kind of sells their soul in a way because I think you just kind of in today's climate know that it's not a a million dollar industry or anything anymore. But, you know, if, if you do work really hard and you grind, like, you know, it can be a lucrative career and it can be something that you can do for, decades you know and sustain you know yourselves and and uh, your family and stuff I think, so i think so i mean you know you're looking at two guys you and i that have that have done it for a pretty long time now it's summer it's hot outside i know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio and personally i love to grab a refreshing miller high life miller high life is unpretentious high quality and is there to celebrate the wins of every day, big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. 
It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles either in an iconic glass bottle or for this summer in limited edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. Um, yeah. So with, with you, uh, so you come into, you know, this, you come into your own and you get into, you know, rock music and you know Papa Roach and I guess kind of the more metal side of things um you started a whole bunch of bands I got a little list here Audrey is a narcissist protagonist (laughs) antagonist and raising Alexandria a couple of your old bands um I found some clips of some of the music and I was hoping you know to be honest with you Aaron I was hoping to find something a little more embarrassing but everything I found was actually (laughs) everything I found was actually pretty good Oh, geez. I don't know if you looked hard enough then, but that's a good thing. (laughs) No, you know, it's, yeah, it's been a long road and it's funny. And I think about that and I I think about, you know, now I think anytime you start making money doing something like your relationship with it changes. And I know that that's definitely true for music for me in a way, you know, it it definitely becomes something that you devote so much time and energy to that it, it, you know, it just kind of changes. And, and, and for me, I was thinking about those bands, you know, I was thinking about it today, like this morning. In fact, I was thinking about how I was like, man, you know, like feeling like I used to be much more creative or, or feeling like I used to be much more um, prolific or something like, right. you know, I used to have a, com- I used to have a computer set up at my parents' house and I could just sit on it and like, I'm going to make a song. Like I'm going to go bang on the wall with a microphone and be all avant-garde and like it's so funny thinking about like there is so much weird random music that that people have made that that nobody will ever hear um but at the same time like that's all part of the legacy 
you know, and every now and again, and every now and again, it's really funny. Cause like it came up today, like some of those bands, like every now and again, somebody will come up and be like, Hey, do you have this? And I'm like, Whoa, I don't even remember making that, but I like, know. yeah, I, I have it all somewhere. I on media fire or something. <laughs> I know. No, it's crazy you bring that up that, that, you know, there's so much music being made that no one ever hears. I mean, it's got to be like 99% of music made doesn't get heard. It's oh, got to be a number like that. And you got to figure of that 99%, there's some great shit out there. You know? Like, yeah. Like you look at the Beatles, like there's probably some other person out there that wrote like is a better songwriter than Lennon and McCartney combined. You just never heard about them. And, that's, oh, yeah. and isn't that like, that makes it so sad to think, to sure. think that, that, that that's the way it is. But you bring up, you know, before we, we got into this, you were talking about how the internet makes things accessible. And it's true. Now somebody can put it up, at least put it on the internet. I mean, maybe no one will ever see it, but at least it's there. What's crazy though, is like, I, I was thinking about this the other day, like, you know, just the, the, the early morning, you know, like, cause I have a hard time sleeping. So a lot of times I'll wake up at like four in the morning and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I just got more daylight to burn. And I'll, and I'll sit there at like four in the morning, five in the morning with a cup of coffee, just thinking, you know, like, just like with my TV off, just kind of like looking at my ceiling, just thinking about stuff. And I was thinking like, think of the most obscure thing you could search on YouTube and you can find a video of some random obscure thing. And if you look, it's still got 40 or 50 views, like at least. Mm-hmm. And you think, you think about it like you can put something out and at least one other person in the world will see it at some point. And while it definitely makes it harder to kind of stick out, um, you know, in the, in the music climate, I think it makes what sticks out that much more unique, you know, and it kind of forces people to find their uniqueness, you know, because there's, there's no real, I feel like it's almost impossible in 2018 to follow trends. I got a good test. How about you do this then? How about you leak the new of mice and men record on YouTube? Just don't, (laughs) just don't call it anything. Just make a new account, put it up there and we'll see how, how how long until someone finds it. Oh my god! <laughs> High stakes, dude. High stakes. I'm kind of down to be honest. <laughs> it's ten days till the record, like, and it still hasn't leaked. Me and Tino were just talking about that. We're like, all right, we're ten days out. There's no leak. Um, what the hell? Like, <laughs> right? It's I about know. time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Matthew and Sean are listening to this right now, going, "God, no!" Pulling their hair out. Uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, over at Rise Records, I mean, uh, no, that's. I love that's, it. Uh, but hey, I mean, you you make a good point though. It is it is like kind of a, it is kind of a crazy world we live in, and it's it's like I feel like now we're just scratching scratching the surface of what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Because it's, oh, yeah. it's still like the wild west out there. Oh, for sure. And you know what? Like we're talking about. Uh, Everyone's talking about copyright law all the time, and people are talking about how publishing points can change on on the way ASCAP will start paying artists and all this other stuff. What's to me, though, the coolest part is that there's just, you know, and and love it or hate it. I personally love it, like that there's just more accessibility. Like we can be more accessible, uh, you know, to our fans and vice versa. And I think that that it definitely makes being a musician and being in a band much more of a full-time gig, you know, because I, I do think that there are people who can just kind of be elusive 
you know, and then play music. But I think in, in today's world, you know, people want to be engaged yeah. with the artists and the art, you know, and I think that if, if artists can kind of responsibly, um, you know, and I use the word responsibly, but like if, if we can kind of responsibly steer fans into wanting to know more about the art rather than the artists, like that's how I've always been where it's like, well, don't, it's, it's not about me. Like, you know, you don't need to dive further into me, like dive right. further into the music, you know, because if you want answers, it's going to be in there anyway. It's right. Know? I know. It's, it's, it's like, have you ever, have you ever signed somebody's skin and had them get it tattooed over? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, isn't that the weirdest thing? It's like, it's, it's yeah. And, and, and to me, it's like, there's definitely a lot of like humility that comes with that, you know? And like, and just kind of, um, it took me a while to, to learn how to accept that, I guess, you know, like to be able to accept people's admiration. And I think that like, you, you know, to acknowledge it and to acknowledge that, yeah, we do have a platform, you know, and like we do have fans. Like, I think that that's awesome. And I think at the same time, like, you know, learning to acknowledge that with a lot of humility and, and grace. Cause at the same time, like it could, it could easily be the other way around and, and people could just as easily not care. You know, so oh, it's totally, about kind totally. Of but but I'm them. just, I'm just kind of, you know, speaking to your point about it's about the music and it's about the art you're creating, not about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, you're, uh, yeah, you're just, exactly. you're just one, one fourth, one fifth of this band, and you know, you're just a part of this art that's being created. Why is it you that they want to, you know? Uh, embrace it's kind of strange and, and like I'm always like whenever people ask me they're like oh sign my arm I'm like ah what are you doing here are you and because like, I know what they're thinking I'm like it's a bad idea don't do it and uh and they're like oh no let's go cool I'm gonna go get it tattooed over I'm like I know why don't you just pick some like artwork from one of our records we've got great artwork <laughs> or or something else or some lyrics you like because my own signature on you it's just like it's kind of weird you know, I, yeah. I, so I, my, I, try to, thing, I always try to talk them out of it. My whole thing is, you know, my philosophy is that, you know, if if I write my name on something, that means that I own it now. <laughs> you know, so so that's a that's a joke I've made a couple of times, which it's it's like people are they don't really laugh at that, I guess. <laughs> no, no, but I don't know. You know, like like to me, it's it's um, I you know I think music's always about you know it's about the human connection you know, and I think that. Uh, it's inevitable that if you can connect very deeply and very emotionally to music that, you know, that you're, that you're going to feel connected to that artist. And I think that there is a definitive purpose in that, you know, I know for a fact that, that I definitely make music because I want, um, I want that connection, you know, just yeah. as much as the audience might want that connection, you know? And so like, um, I think, yeah, it's just about acknowledging that and, you know, just the fruitfulness of that. Cause it is pretty crazy. It's crazy to think that like, um, just breaking down what we do to a very primitive level. Like we make sound <laughs> and we make sound that makes people feel things and they go, yeah, I connect with this yeah, and I want to support this. That, and dude, that is what, is, that's what is magical about music. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, like, like that's the closest thing, like the, the closest thing I've ever seen to magic, you know, other than like whatever in fucking Las Vegas, David Copperfield kind of shit. The closest yeah. thing I've ever ever seen <laughs> to magic is when you hear something and you don't know why but you get this chill and the like the arm the, the hairs in your arm stand up and you get this feeling and you don't know why. 
and you don't know what oh, it is. Yeah. You don't know if it's it's a it's a note that it's not a specific sound. It's it's it, the lyrics are important. It's all it's this combination of things, and that to me the vibe. Is, that to me is why music is so amazing because because there's nothing else in the world like that. There's nothing oh, yeah. like that. No, no, you're right, and you know like it's. It's called the universal language, and it's really funny because yeah. you can play somebody a sad song on a violin anywhere in the world where nobody speaks the same language, and everybody will know that that's a sad song. Like it's, it's really, really awesome that music works that way. Yeah, you know, and I think that's um, music is something that's been around for thousands of years. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty crazy. Like musicians, it's one of the earliest professions. You know, like bards and. I think I think prostitution is definitely in there too, but <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think so. Uh, so okay, uh, so you know you're you're on the road to your to your uh, uh, stardom, if you will, and you come across a band called Jamie's Elsewhere. Did you know them previously? You know, where you kind of guys slugging it out uh, together. Uh, how did that work? Uh, joining that band was it a big deal for you because they were a signed band on a big label like Victory? Yeah, you know what it was. My local bands had kind of slowed down. I had basically gone out for a tryout for a band that I don't really want to name. It is out there though, if you dig deep enough. But oh, come like, on, just name it then. <laughs> so uh, it was it was Bless the Fall. But oh, basically, okay. a lot of people tried for, for Bless the Fall. Oh, definitely, yeah. So I was one of those people. I flew out, and we, you know, we didn't really vibe. Uh, I came home the next day, and I was like, all right, you know, I'd been talking with those guys for a few weeks at that point and we demoed some material and that was kind of like a quote unquote for sure thing or whatever. And so I was like, all right, I came back home and I was like, all right, I have no idea what my next step's going to be. Um, so I just kind of kept my head down low, started making music. And then I heard, um, somebody from Jamie's elsewhere. I think it was their old drummer had reached out to me and was like, Hey, you know, like we, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, we played, I think like a handful of shows together before. Um, and I'd met the guys before. And so, you know, they, we were aware of each other and they were like, you know, we really like your voice. We want you to try out to do this. And I was like, all right, well, there it is. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, one door closes, another opens, you know, yeah, however, sure. that cliche, however that cliche goes. Sure. So I kind of took that almost as a sign, like, all right, because it literally happened within days. It was like, all right, well, <laughs> put all my eggs into one basket. It didn't really pan out. So now I'm going to put my eggs into another basket. <laughs> and, you know, we ended up, creating a lot of great music together and, yes, and did. Doing, doing a lot of touring and it was really cool. And it was really, it, it was, it's funny cause it was something that was really special, like for the time, you know, and we all kind of, you know, as Jamie's elsewhere, at least with me kind of, um, you know, stagnated and slowed down, you know, there's always kind of a natural progression, you know, at least that I'd experienced before of mice where, you know, every band I was in at some point, it was, you know, if, if that spark, isn't there everything kind of starts naturally slowing down on its own you know and for us being on victory jamie's also we had a like a really rough time I, you know in, tr in trying you, yeah. yeah in trying in trying to do anything beyond just our stuff on our own you know like we couldn't get management you know we couldn't get a booking agent so for us it was like we couldn't get on tours you know, we got all of our stuff stolen and we couldn't get tour support, you know, from the label. So like it was a right. lot of uphill battles. And so, you know, when when that had kind of slowed down, that was when I got, um, you know, the opportunity to fill in 
uh, Fur of Mice on Warp 2012, you know, and that was, that was through Tino. You know, you talk about yeah. rhythm section. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it was, and, you know, and so when I had started playing with, with those guys, just kind of, to me, I guess it was just seeing the difference, just the difference in the way that everyone kind of treated the band and treated the project. Like there was so much passion and fire coming from everybody that it was like, sick, I can just put my all into something and we can all just collectively push this thing down the road rather than, you know, having, having everything uphill all the time, you know, and for of mice and men, for of mice and men, there is a lot of uphill all the time. And it is. And I think that's the same for any band. I think just to be in a band, there's so much uphill all the time. But when you find people that enjoy the climb, you know, not everybody enjoys that, you know, the sweet burn of the, of climbing that mountain, <laughs> Mount Rock. No, it's it's, like, a, it's a great analogy. It really is a great analogy. And and like with with Jamie's elsewhere. And I I do want to talk more about this band because I think it's sort of I think a lot of people listening to this probably have never heard of it. Uh, and it's it really is you got it's kind of a gem. It's kind of a hidden gem of a band. Uh, and, and I feel like it was never given the opportunity. I don't know. I guess it's because you guys never got the right tours um, because the records were great. And I always was a fan of it. And a lot of people now, I feel like maybe because of your name and of Mice and Men, they've gone back and they've discovered that stuff you've done. Uh, do you feel like a little bit now it's like, is, is it, does it make you a little sad that it never got its due because it still holds up? Um, you know, maybe a little bit. But, you know, I think it's kind of, it, you know, it always goes back to, like I said, you know, every every sort of thing that we make is kind of like a yearbook in a way. So it's like you know, more people have, you know, in my family have probably seen my senior yearbook than my, you know, eighth grade yearbook, (laughs) you know, because senior year is a more focused on year or whatever. So I think, you know, even the music I made in the past that like, maybe it didn't get enough attention or whatever, like, to me, it's still out there, like, it's still there for people to kind of discover. So there's kind of no, there's no real, um, I don't know, I, you know, I think to be very honest, there's no real sadness or regret or anything there you know because it's it exists it's out there it will exist forever um my time with all that's like done you know and so i always kind of look towards the now i guess than dwelling on the past because that's kind of the crazy thing i was thinking about that today too like our album comes out in i don't know what is it 10 days nine days from now and i was just thinking like it's really really crazy that it's just you know we just keep making music and keep doing it and it's it can be this thing where you know, it's just this ongoing collection. I know it is a crazy thing, and I really want to talk. About my mind. The, I really want to talk about the new record in a second. I got a couple fan questions here. I don't. I if you don't mind answering. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, this guy, uh, uh, Brandon Potter. He's one of our, our kind of big listeners. Um, <laughs> he says, "I'm a big Aaron Pauly guy." Uh, I'm going to make a comment here. I got into Jamie's elsewhere because I love the Scarpelli brothers in Mozart season. Found them on pure volume back in the day and fell in love. Stuck with them. Vintage. Yeah. When they jumped into Jamie's Elsewhere and then along came Polly. LOL. That's funny. Uh, and then he I says, like that. in my, you've got to have heard that before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, his iteration of Jamie's Elsewhere was the best. So his question is, um, he's got a lot of them, so I'm trying to pick the best ones here. Uh, he, he's asked, what was the Sacramento music scene like from the inside looking out? Uh, he feels like there were so many great bands 
like Mozart sees in Jamie's Elsewhere that never really hit it that big. Uh, and also, do you know Mac Dre and are you a fan? <laughs> okay, so yeah, for sure, Mac Dre. Like, for sure, the Thizzle Dance was definitely a big part of <laughs> my high school experience <laughs> being in the Bay Area. Right. Um, no, you know what? Like, the Sacramento music scene was so exciting because, you know, there were b- b- between, I think, San Francisco and Sacramento and Vacaville being in the middle and all the cities in between on, on, uh, on I 80 there that basically runs from San Francisco, like to Sacramento. Yeah. There were, I'm talking like thousands of kids in the scene. Like, like there were active music scenes in towns. Like it was really crazy. And it was really funny because Sacramento was this kind of hub where if you played, metalcore music or scene music or post-hardcore or what screamo or whatever you wanted to call it like any iteration of scene music in the early to mid 2000s like sacramento was where artery was and where the boardwalk was and you basically and at the time like that was it like you wanted to you wanted to, to you wanted to be in that machine and everybody everybody recognized like pretty early on that it was a machine like the big bands would take out the little bands and the little bands would become big bands and they would take out the little bands and it, and it just became this machine, but it was effective and it basically controlled everything, Yeah, you know? And we used to be, you know, being from Sacramento, Jamie's also was a vintage artery band, but there was a time where artery severed ties with like a day to remember. Uh, I believe it was like Whitechapel, um, a couple other bands that were on victory. They basically dropped all their victory bands. They're like, yeah. all right, we're done. Like, yeah. and, and I'll never forget that. And it was just like, damn, and then, you know, like, but then a lot of bands, you know, they ended up leaving Artery because uh, I guess, you know, they, they got to a point where they were the big band and they just felt like, you know, the scope was a bit myopic. Like, all right, we're yeah. here. Like, where's the next step? You know what I mean? Of and course. so, but, but it was always kind of cool because everybody was, I think the music was just so good because everybody was driving everybody else to be better because everybody knew that that was the town where like you could break into this thing. And then at the same time, like um, that just made the music so good because everybody was trying to like be that new band, you know? Yeah. No, very cool. Very cool. And it's, uh, and you come a long way, man. And um, the new of mice and men record defy is out. Well, when this comes out, it will be out. So if you're listening nice. to this, go listen to it on Spotify or pick up the Do you vinyl have it yet? or Do you have I don't, a copy of I it? don't, I've heard, just heard the four songs. I'll send, I'll send so, it to you oh, after cool, this. Cool. That's awesome. So, um, the four songs are out. They're all great. Uh, do you feel like the, they tell, they tell the story of the record or is there some curveballs left in there that you guys are kind of waiting to, to jam out? No, I, I definitely think that in the singles we've released, there's a certain lack of, vulnerability that definitely exists in the record in songs that we haven't released yet. There's a lot more kind of emotional meat, I think, um, you know, cause the singles kind of, you know, as, as much as like we pick them because they represent the album, you know, they, a lot of it is just that, you know, it's, it's either for Mark, it's just whatever we feel like will have the most reach. Um, but I think a lot of the more kind of, um, more difficult to digest stuff, I guess, is is still on the record. Good. So more to discover. That That's cool. And and working oh, yeah. on this record without Austin, um, obviously it's a big role on you, songwriting wise, lyric wise. Did you take on the bulk of the lyric writing, and and how was that for you? Um, you know, 
just just jumping into that because that can be pretty difficult for some people. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, in the past, you know, for for me and Austin, a lot of it was it was basically fifty fifty. You know, either we'd sit down together at a desk and write, or he and I would write separately and and trade basically back and forth. Like we'd work on songs and then trade back and forth. Like say, okay, well, this song, you take that song, I'll take this song, and then we'd kind of you know meet in the middle. Um, so in you know, and and in the past though. Um, there was always involvement from like Tino and there was always involvement from Alan and Phil. And so with this record, not having Austin to bounce things off of, I still had Tino and I still had Alan and I still had Phil. So like it didn't really, for us getting into the studio was so therapeutic because it didn't feel that different. Like the process of creating albums felt so similar that like we used that, you know, I think if we would have gone in there and it's like, man, this, this is a completely different operation now. I think that it probably would have been less effective as a, as a healing instrument, you know? No, absolutely, man. Uh, that's sick. Um, okay. Well, what else to add? Um, the records, the records out now, go pick it up. You guys have a big tour with bless the fall supporting you. That's kind of ironic, I guess. Um, yeah, no. That, and that's, and that's the cool a, thing a, is like, we've been able to play, world. we've been able to play lots of shows, you know, yeah. like, that's all like water under the bridge. Like that's, that's nothing. Oh, but, sure. It's, but just, history. it's one of those things, but that, it is like, really like at 4am. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. It's just like at the 4am when you can't sleep and you have the cup of coffee and you're staring at the ceiling, you go, huh? What if I was in bless the fall? What if I did oh, vibe yeah. with those guys? This, then this tour would be maybe happening, but I'd be in that band. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, like, it's like a weird, like, who knows? weird thing to think about. Yeah. But it's all butterfly effect. Like you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. Ex- exactly. And it's that's that's cool. No. So, um, what can people expect from this from this tour? I mean, you guys, probably bringing back a lot of the old songs, playing a lot of new jams. Yeah, we're gonna be playing a little bit of something from from everything, you know. And there's definitely uh, some throwback in there. Cool. We knew that we'd be remiss if we didn't do that. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Well, hey, um, I'll let you go. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time, and, and everyone check out the new record, Defy, out now. And um, one last question. How was, yes, sir. How was the bathtub scene in the Warzone video? Did that, oh, did man, that I, got, I, got, I got so sick from doing that. Uh, from having, it's the worst, isn't it? Uh, black bath bomb, like, in my nose. And literally the day after that, we flew to start that, you know, that 97 day tour. <laughs> uh, so yeah. like I basically started the tour sick, like sinus infection, but I don't know, you know, they say, uh, what is it? Art is, art is pain. Beauty is pain. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta sacrifice. You took one for the team there, man. I, I did, we did a video <laughs> with the same thing where I was in a bathtub and it like, oh, yeah. it was the worst. So I it's like such a good idea that. until you're there and yeah. then you're sitting in it and you're like, man, this is a terrible idea. You're like, can we, can, can I not be the lead singer anymore, please? Yeah. Can we green screen this? <laughs> well, I'll lay in a green screen. <laughs> well, dude, thanks so much. All the best with, uh, with 2018. Happy new year. And, uh, I'm sure you're going to play more than 97 shows this year. So, uh, get ready, man. Yeah, hey, let's, up. let's play, let's play some together. Yeah, dude, dude, you, you, got, s- you got my number, man. Let's do it. Yep. I'm sending you the record. Ah, stoked to hear it. Word. All the best, man. Hey, actually, you You take care. Before I let you go, what song should we play right now for the people? Because the record will be out. So what do you want people to hear right now? I always play music. Play Defy. Defy. Here it is. Defy. Oh, yeah. Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Aaron. Take care, brother. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks a lot for that, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, dude. Thank you for having me. Cool. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, man. I'll see you. Yeah, take care. Okay, bye. 
Define by Of Mice and Men coming out on Rise Records. A great tune, a great band, and a great dude. Thank you to Aaron for taking the time. And um, this wasn't this was a great conversation. Uh, please go check out the Of Mice and Men record if you haven't already. Go see them on tour. I think they're just about to start up a headline tour all across America. With Bless the Fall supporting another Rise Records band, uh, congrats to Bless the Fall on the sig- on the signing, right there. Um, and also, if you guys want to help out the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. But the best way you can do it is to check out the All Access Club. See, you've listened to this episode, and I know some of you might be a little sad that you have to wait an entire week for my next conversation. And for some people, that's too much. For some people, not only do you want bonus episodes, maybe a question answer session with me, uh, pick my brain. Maybe you want a community of other people, other fans of the show and myself as well, where you can get more involved with this, talk about the episodes, talk about music, talk about movies, talk about sports, talk about anything. That is why 
I started the All Access Club. And the best part about it for me is that it only costs $6 a month at a minimum. You get what I just said, access to all of those things, and it helps us keep the lights on around here. It helps us keep the show going week after week, and that's the beauty of it. It's just a beautiful thing. If you spend $9 a month, well, you get merchandise sent to your house every three months. You get more interaction with me. You get more things. And as the perks keep going up and up, you get more and more. And it really does help me just keep it going. And I love this thing, man. I started this over two years ago now, which is kind of crazy. And it's been one of the best things in my life. I've met so many friends doing it. And it's just something I feel really good about. Promoting great music, promoting some of my friends' music, and really just keep the music industry going. So please check out the All Access Club. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. $6 a month. That is what? That's a buck and a half a week. I mean, I don't know how much you spend on coffee. I don't know how much you spend on Taco Bell. I don't know how much you spend on whatever. I mean, I'm not asking for much, and it really, really does make a big difference. So check it out. Again, I'll give you the link one more time, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. If you want to talk to me personally, I'm available. I'm still available. It is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com, and we have the hate line if you're super pissed. Regardless, thank you everybody so much for supporting this thing and for supporting all the great music that's out there. We'll be back next week with a conversation with one of my favorite band's lead singers. I'm very excited, so make sure you're subscribed. Hit the subscribe button on whatever you listen to this, and I will see you next week. Peace and love.